This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 220 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Reese Koffler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Fergus, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show with me as your producer today. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> Philip! We're on our I own. I know, Glenn, Glenn left us on our own. It <laughs> kind of feels like, you know, I don't know, it's like we have a substitute teacher or something. This yeah, is I know, great. I feel like we were on spring break or something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We could do whatever we want. It's so fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, hopefully, hopefully we get through the show tonight with uh, no issues because Philip, you do a very good job producing, but uh, there are times when we get into some trouble. We get so, into trouble. Uh, yeah, we get into technical trouble and sometimes just regular trouble. <laughs> <laughs> regular trouble. Well, Philip, you had a horse show this weekend. How'd it go? Um, it was good. We had beautiful weather, and uh, how many horses did we take? Three or four? Four horses, and um, you know they all did a great job various placings i can't even remember it's like the day after a horse show i don't know if you feel like this Reese, but it was just like oh what what actually happened like i remember bringing oh. the horses to the horse show i remember like <laughs> coaching and riding and all that and then you know you wake up monday morning and it's just was all a blur so. <laughs> it's true it's true and i would say uh you know be nice to your trainer on monday after a horse yeah. show it, it's we have to worry about everybody and showing yourself and, you know, getting the horses there and getting the horses home and, and making the sure the, the horses are settled. So it's a lot. It it's a, like lot a lot for, yeah, it, it like does. Lot, it, but, it seems uh, like a lot. It was really nice fun. Like I really enjoy it at the time, <laughs> but I just need a few hours today just to kind of recover and, uh. Sure. And we got another show, in, you know, not this weekend, but the weekend that, well, I'm coaching at a show this, like, it's just been crazy. August is yeah. just a wild month, don't, don't you <laughs> it's find? It's because it's it's the one week that uh, the one month you guys that it's nice and warm and the yeah. weather's good. Yeah. So you got to cram it all in. It uh, we actually, you know, this year uh, because our horses, you know, went to Florida and then they came home and we had a really active spring. Uh, we I set it up that actually July and the first part of August was a little bit of a vacation for us. Um, oh, we've nice. had a great. I know <laughs> we've had a great summer. You know, it's been very cool and wet here. Except for the week of Young Riders, which was, yeah, was epically hot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but usually here in Kentucky, it's so hot in July and August that, you know, the horses don't enjoy it. The people don't enjoy it. So we have a horse show this weekend um, and then a couple weeks off and then we get gear up for sort of regionals. And then we have the two national championships here in uh, October and November here in Lexington. So it's actually going to be a really busy time. So I'm coming off a little bit of a break. Sorry, Philip. Uh, But yeah, this is, you know, one of the things I found with taking horses to Florida is it used to be that, you know, the January time, it's cool, it's cold and rainy and gross. And so that's sort of time off. But you know, they need it sometime during the year to be a little downtime. So, um, at least I, that's, that's sort of my feeling. And so this is sort of our time, you know, the horses work outside a lot and work on the hills a lot and, and we just sort of get stronger for the fall show season. So yeah, so we're, we're coming up for shows this week. Yeah. So that's really good. Excellent. Excellent. So we can focus on the show, you know, on, on the, on the radio show and, uh, we've got a great show today, don't we? 
We do. We have an awesome show. We have a kind of discussion with Olivia Lagoy-Welch. She's a, a trainer who just moved to Virginia, and um, we have a really interesting discussion with her. And then we're going to talk to a blogger, Kelly Wood, and hear how she sort of uh, – keeps her her focus with writing and in journals and blogs that's a really interesting spot to kind of hear some other ways you can uh kind of keep track of all your writing writing things so that's fun cool cool well we should do the news before we get to our show um a big exciting championship the world championships for young dressage horses um just ended this weekend and um you know i haven't been this is one of my this is one of my um was it bucket, bucket list, list items? Yeah. Is to go to I mean, <laughs> as we were just saying, August is so busy here, and I mean, it's one of our only reliable, nice, nice months here in Canada. So I haven't never had the opportunity, but I really, you know, I watch the videos and I see the results from this this championship, and these horses are just amazing. Five and six year old horses who are competing their hearts out, and uh, a lot of new and and up and coming riders who, um, you know, get the get the chance to to show a horse kind of on the world stage um you know that's really fun so we have some results here uh champion in the five-year-old world young horse dressage championships with a horse named scaraboa um the rider lena stegeman and this horse is out of ingo papa's um farm i think he was the breeder and also the owner so it's kind of exciting because um Risa and I have had the opportunity to meet Ingo uh, a couple of years. He teaches at a clinic in the fall, a young horse clinic, as a matter of fact, in the fall. And so uh, it's kind of an exciting connection for us to, to yeah. see that one of his horses has, uh, has won the gold medal in the world championship. Wonderful. So I yep. bet that's uh, super exciting. And, and this is huge for breeders as well because, you, you know, um, for world young horse championships, you're not waiting for a horse to become you know, 9, 10, 11 years old to uh, to be in the Grand Prix. This is a, a world stage for young horses, and, and it's really important for breeders to uh, to kind of see how combinations of breeding has worked out. So uh, a lot of times we talk about um, the stallion and the mare of, the, of these horses. Um, and so Scaraboa is uh, by Scolari and out of a Wolkenstein II mare. Uh, Silver went to a horse named Florcilio, uh, written by Andreas Helgstrand. Andreas, huge uh, Grand Prix rider out of Denmark. So, um, you know, that's good to see. He also rides young horses and uh, and uh, a good silver championship for, for Denmark. And then uh, bronze went to Dorado 203, written by Emily Schultens. Uh, I think that's out of um, Holland. So that was a crack C Rousseau. So, again, another connection to America. That's, a you know, a horse... Uh, whose mare was by Rousseau and is owned by uh, Harmony Sport Horses and Scott Hassler, who's been on the show. So lots of cool little connections to do with yeah. the Young Horse Championships. And, uh, it's super. It's, yeah, I think it's really, I think it'd be really fun to go. I think I, I watched the videos. Agreed. and These horses are mind-blowing on, on video. And, and uh, as I know from seeing, you know, World Championships, when Wegg was in... Uh, was in Kentucky, like to see the horses in person is just completely different than, yeah. than seeing them... Um, you know, kind of in in a video does just doesn't do doesn't no, do them justice it doesn't. when uh, when in the flesh. You know, you see the just the presence that these horses have, and and a lot of stallions in this competition um, right. don't get to go on to further, you know, to further Grand Prix because they spend their life, you know, doing the breeding and and staying at home. So you see a lot of stallions that that will be at the World Championships and just uh, don't get the opportunity to to go on to compete 
further and and they become really popular by winning a world championship for for example so um we'll move on to the six-year-old champion sakur written by eva moeller uh this is a sir donna hall by uh, a mayor out of don davidoff so a mayor by don davidoff i know it's there's breeder talk. You ever come across that, Reese? Where you get oh yeah, I'll like get it messed up all the time. Yeah, I, I mess up all the time. And I, so I apologize. You know, it's okay. I do the same thing. I'm not gonna lie. Breeder and, and I know that the breeders will be, you know, be a little upset. Sorry. Maybe I say it wrong. So that's yeah. That's a sorry and apology. Uh, Silver medal <laughs> went to Damon's Delarange, written by uh, Helen Langdon Hannenberg. Um, Helen was a young, like a, a rider of young horses for a long time, and now she's you know riding a lot of grand prix and uh, yep. and winning a lot of championships so um you know that's nice to see it's, you know developed mm-hmm. from from riding world championships uh for young horses and and continue her career on a young horse all the way to grand prix and yep. then uh bronze medal went to discovery that's an oldenburg um a dimaggio classicer horse ridden by heiner schiergen so um you know, cool stuff. You can check out all the yeah. results online. Um, I think the big thing, there was uh, one American ridden horse. Was that right? Absolutely, Reese? yeah. Who in the six-year-olds was uh, 13th. That's a horse named Vitalis, ridden by... Help me out, Reese. Charlotte Yours. Charlotte Yours. That's right. That's And she, we're hoping, we're trying to get her on the show next week so we can kind of hear all about her world championship experience. So we'll have her on the show at some point coming up so she can uh, kind of tell us what it was like to be there in the flesh. So I'm really looking forward to that. I hear the atmosphere is just amazing with like hundreds of people. Hundreds of people go to this yeah. show. I know, you know, in, in Canada for sure and America, it's hard to get people out to, you know, like a young horse show. But uh, there it is a... Really, it's a big deal. Really big deal. Yeah, for yeah. breeders, riders, trainers. Everybody wants to see who's the, you know, who's the up and coming horses and and you know, so that's uh that's exciting. It's one of my favorite things anyways and uh, I know. And we have got too. to get a trip. Absolutely. We've got to do a trip to Aachen as well. They're they're the, my two next bucket list uh shows. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and World Young Horse. Well, maybe maybe the uh, dressage radio show will send us Yes, hit, hit, <laughs> Glenn. So we can report on on um, on site for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, after this commercial break, we're going to speak with Olivia Lagoy Welts, FEI rider and trainer, who is now based in Virginia. Glenn the Geek here. The life of horse person is hard enough, and we all hate doing the required paperwork. And unfortunately, many of us never get around to it, and it just piles up on our desk. That is about to change thanks to the Equisketch Records app for your iPhone or iPad. My wife and I use it to track our horses, and we absolutely love this thing. Equisketch Records is the most thorough and complete equestrian records app on the market today. We love this app because you can track your farrier work, your dental, your Coggins, medicines, worming, and so much more. And you can get reminders on your device when all of these things are due. You'll never forget a worming or shots or farrier visit again. But it not only tracks your horse, you can also manage your horse shows, including individual events. You can manage riders, including lessons and memberships and so much more. And you can sync it between your iPhone and your iPad, and all of this for the price of a couple of cups of coffee from Starbucks. Search for Equisketch Records in the iOS App Store or go to Equisketch.com. That's E-Q-U-I-S-K-E-T-C-H.com. Equisketch.com. 
Well, we are so happy to have back Olivia Legoy Welts. She is a friend of our show and she was one of our first guests last year. So, Olivia, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight. Thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Well, well it's nice we to are... go. Well, I was just going to say it's nice to go back over some of our guests because I think Reese and I are doing uh, a much better job, right, Glenn? <laughs> Yes, definitely. And we can have some of the guests <laughs> back so we can do a good job of interviewing them and yes. have a good discussion. You so have to start everybody all good. over again and if you, you know, make up for this yeah, first Yeah, start all month. over yeah. and see if we can do, do it well, right? <laughs> well, Olivia, we're so happy to have you on tonight. We were going to – you have just moved locations and you're now in Virginia. You left Kentucky, which I'm very sad about um, because I enjoyed our dinners and time together. But you're in Virginia now. And it's a good kind of a way for us to start a discussion on sort of finding an instructor, but also, you know, we were talking before the show started is sometimes when you, you may go work for the best instructor and it may not be the best type of situation. So can you talk a little bit about that and start the discussion? Yeah, you bet. You know, I think it's always, it's always an interesting balance to try and strike whether you're an adult amateur or a junior young rider or maybe in your early 20s looking for like a working student type job, you know, you don't want to, you want to keep improving. So it's normal that you always want to be looking for someone who can improve your skills. And often we, we go for the, the very best that we can get at. We look at like the upper echelon of people and go like, they're the best. So that's who I want to train with. And and sometimes when you get to that place and you're training with that person or you're working for that person, it can become apparent or it can be confusing because it's not always the best fit. Sometimes the person that's like, you know, just like, I won't say in your backyard, but like who's more local or more accessible is is a really important person to have, like, you know, in, in your corner, I would say, or be the person that you're working with, because often they're the ones that are going to invest much more time and effort into your education. Yeah, I, think I, I had a, a little bit the same experience when I went out. Um, I'll just tell you a little story. But I, when I went out to look uh, um, for a working student position, I knew, for one, that I wanted to go to Europe. And so I looked at quite a few barns, you know, and some of the big, big name barns, I mean, world champions and world cup winners. And then I went to a couple of the smaller barns. And what I found was the best fit for me at that time with, you know, how, you know, where I was kind of starting out with my career was not the upper, upper echelon. I mean, certainly I went and I rode with two really wonderful Grand Prix riders, but they weren't both on teams and running around the world um, you know, doing their own thing at that time, they would spend, you know, we were, they were at home a lot. They spent a lot of time coaching me. They invested a lot of time in me. I got a lot of horses to ride. Whereas when I went and looked at some of the bigger barns, the big trainers were not there. I mean, unless you had your own, you were bringing your own horse to ride, then you didn't really get to ride. And, you know, like they didn't really have time to be mentoring people. And that just doesn't suit the right program. What yeah. do you think, Reese? Yeah, what was I, your experience a little bit with this? Yeah, no, I mean, I kind of had the same experience when I was sort of growing. You know, I was, I, uh, I was like 16, 14 to 16. That's what the range I was. And I went to a trainer who's very, very good. 
But the same thing. She had ridden Grand Prix. Uh, I worked my tail off because I was the only one, but I got a lesson every day and I really got some, some really, really good help. Um, and also when I went to Europe, uh, I had, I had talked with Mr. Schumacher and I knew sort of what the expectation was, but we, um, we spent the time and I think this is really important. And I think you guys would say the same thing before you sort of commit to either a working student job or a job or, or, or just riding with someone on a regular basis, you really should go and, and be in that barn and you should spend a week, um, before you commit to it. Because that's where you kind of figure out, okay, how does it really run? Somebody can, can, you can talk to someone for a couple hours and, and it'd be great, but you may go into the barn and talk to the people that are there and, you know, they're either unhappy or they love it. Um, but maybe it's not the right place for you. So I think it's really important to, before a working student job or before, for sure you go overseas that you go before you bring the horses or before you commit, um, and spend that time. I think it's really important. What do you, what do you think, Olivia? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I worked in Europe probably, I guess, a total of five years, and uh, I, I really lucked out with my first job. Um, it was just off of a recommendation from you know uh, a fellow sort of friend trainer who was you know much older but had bought horses from the person that I ended up going and working for, and and that was a little different because it was a, a sale barn situation. Which experience-wise, number one, it was it was a great sale barn. It wasn't, you know, it was super well maintained. It wasn't like fifty horses. We had like twenty horses and five girls, and so it was a lot of work. But you know, not so much that you got lost in the system. And you know, that person really took an interest in me, and and I've been, you know, very lucky and very grateful for for that because you know, then he's gone on to help me get other jobs in Germany and so on. But the jobs that I went on to in Germany were very uh, similar to the situations you guys were talking about. You know, the best one that I had was with the, I wouldn't say lesser known because they were still very well known, but they were more in the like, you know, multiple time, you know, German champions, like producing a lot of Grand Prix horses from every type of horse, you know, and yes, there were Olympic titles, but they weren't in that place like that moment. It was a much smaller situation and you get a lot more attention and and they care more because it's not about them. It's about, you know, the overall. And, and I would say you want to look for a trainer, not a rider. You know, a lot of us seek out these people that were like, Oh my God, I want to ride like them. And a lot of the best riders aren't actually the best teachers. Um, because they ride so much off of feel and they don't have an ability to articulate as well, which is kind of an interesting point. You don't really know that until you've ridden with them or watched them teach a lesson, like that kind of thing. And that goes, you know, we're kind of off talking about Europe, but that can be brought back to, you know, your like everyday, like adult amateur or, you know, like even like young professional in this country is that, you know, when you're looking for a new trainer um, or, you know, if you need to make a switch or you're new to an area or something like that, you know, it's good to look at what they've done. It's also good to talk to their clients, you know, walk through the barn, look how the horses are kept, listen to them teach. Do you like the way that they talk to their clients? Are they respectful and interested? Or are they kind of like, you know, 
trying to get on to the next one, that kind of thing. Now, I wanted to steer the, the conversation a little bit, you know, towards a little bit doing, you know, doing clinics. Now, Reese and I, we, uh, we live in very different areas, so I'm always kind of asking her, like, um, and, and she goes to Florida, like, who are you riding with? You know, how do you choose somebody to do uh, a clinic with? Because these things can be really expensive, and it's a lot of money, and you want to take your horse out and have a good experience and to learn something. So... Uh, maybe I'll just ask you, Reese. So how do you how do you figure that out? Well, I think it's always a good question. You know, I think um, uh, here in in Kentucky, we're getting more and more people that are coming in, and Olivia can tell you that. Um, but because they come in for the office, and if you know they're coming, sometimes you can ask them to take a, a later flight or something. So I can get some help that way. Um, but it is hard. I mean, I think you have to have the right horse. You have to know where you're going. Um, certainly when there are clinics that are happening, I ask some of the riders that have ridden with that particular person before. Um, sometimes I decide, you know, maybe I, I rode with, with a person, it went well, but something happened that, you know, I felt like that wouldn't work with my horse. I think you have to be honest especially when you're spending, you know, clinics can be very expensive now. Um, and so you have to weigh, you know, sort of what time of year it is. If I'm going to go to Florida, do I want to do a clinic in December here instead of spending the money in Florida when I'm not going to spend as much money? So I think that that's, that's a big thing. Um, I think it's good to try new people. Um, but if they are coming regularly to your area, it's good maybe to just audit, spend the day or half a day, pay the auditing fee and sit and listen. Same kind of thing. Do I like the way this person worked with that horse? Did I like what I, you know, what I'm seeing? Olivia, how do you, how do you decide what clinics to ride in and that type of thing? Um, that's a good question because I, I am fairly, I guess, you know, for the past few years in my prior situation, you know, I kind of rode with whoever was brought in. And, you know, we were fortunate to have some good people in, but it wasn't really, it wasn't particularly my choice. Um, when I was still in California, I, the person I ended up working with the most actually was someone that had been coming to my barn um, to teach someone else. And, you know, and I had just kind of blown this person off. I, I won't say, yeah, I kind of was just like, oh, this is this weird person that shows up and teaches all the time. I didn't really know her, you know, this, that, or the other thing. But, you know, the more she'd come in mid-morning and the more I listened to her teach, and then I was, you know, walking around one day while this person was having a lesson. And the trainer said something like, you know, you need to lower his neck so that he can access his back. And something about, like, that phrase, like, was like, oh, like, this person really knows what they're talking about. And after that, I, you know, kind of asked, like, could I try a lesson? And it turned out to be one of the best trainers that I've ever worked with. I still talk to her on a regular basis. And she's turned into a real mentor. Um, and so I think there's a big click factor. You know, does the way that person train and explain make sense? I think, you know, the idea of auditing a clinic, especially these clinics that can be, you know, three, $400 you know, or $200 or whatever, um, you know, getting to go audit is, is a really big one if you're going to spend that kind of money. The other thing that I would say that I've seen happen in the past is, is sometimes like a client in a barn will, will find out about a trainer and they'll go take a clinic and decide like, hey, this is really a great person. And I've in the past had clients, 
you know, when I was like still a kid who would then pay for my trainer to, you know, go take some clinics with this person on, you know, one of their horses. And then it would turn out that that clinician then came into the barn. And that works really well when you can clinic with someone that your trainer clinics with. I think that's, that's it, like really important if you can, if you're in a cohesive barn where you can work with, with your trainer's trainer, if that makes sense. So then once that clinician goes away, your trainer is actually like helping you fill in the gaps. A lot of the difficulty about taking clinics, if you don't have anyone to sort of help you follow up afterwards is you go off and, and you take this clinic and you get, you will call it like a taste of strawberry jam. Like, Oh wow. Like that was the feeling. And then you have no one to help you recreate it. And, and that can be hard if you don't have the eyes on the ground or you go back to your trainer and you're like, Oh, this person said this. And your trainer's like, well, you know, that, that doesn't agree with me. So if you can, you know, find some way to make it all fit together, that's in my opinion, always when it works the best. Yeah, I think that's an important point, kind of continuity of training, right? I think it's totally pointless and it doesn't make any sense um, to go and take a clinic with someone and that would be the only time you have access to that person because, you know, like that's just a case of maybe just going out and saying that you have ridden with that person because if they, if exactly. they don't come back or you don't have ever have access to them again, I don't think there was really much point. I mean, you may have gained something at the time, but to go... To to go beyond that, I I I don't see the point. Of it. So I you know I I won't clinic with somebody who I who I don't have a chance to go back to, or I don't you know couldn't send an email to or something to to help with it. Yeah, and and sometimes you know as a maybe as a non professional, sometimes your your clinic do- dollars are better spent with maybe the best person you can access in your local area, you know, so yeah. that say, you know, say maybe one clinic, maybe it's the choice between one clinic or four lessons. You know, if you have a good local trainer that's you can get a lesson from every week, you're going to be better off, even though the clinician may be this awesome big name and like, that's really cool. The person that's going to be able to help you more consistently on a regular basis is going to be muddy, uh, muddy, muddy, much better spent, you know. And, <laughs> no, I think uh, in my no, opinion, I generally agree. speaking. No, yeah. I I agree too, and I think that's where you can really use auditing. You know, you can really yeah. You, yeah. you really really want to see what that person has to say. Uh, go audit. Go at it. It helps, you know, it helps everybody. It helps the, you know, the clinic pay for the clinician and that type of thing. And go at it and see and use your time that way instead of bringing a horse. I think sometimes that's really important to do. Uh, and then if that person becomes a little more regular, then, then you can do that. So I think that that's a really good way. But I think the idea of, I mean, I think we're, everybody or, or most people are in, in where you have to decide what to do with your money and how to how to spend your money. And, and I agree that, you know, having somebody at least once a week on the ground could be better spent than your clinic money that you're going to do in two days. And, and maybe that's your training budget for the month. You know, that you have to, that that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't really work. Does it? Because, you know, it's a lot better to progress consistently forward over a longer period of time than to maybe try and make this huge leap all at once. I mean, that's what horse training is daily, Doing it correctly and properly, 
instead of you know just getting this help once and then the person goes away and then that's not consistent riding that's 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 not consistent for the horse and and you know maybe the the clinician says something completely different than your trainer and then you know that's a one time thing then your trainer you know like it just it has to make sense it has to make sense as from a training perspective now i want to get a little bit on a different topic about clinics from a trainer's perspective so maybe Reese you can give us um some good experiences or some not some good good experiences just stuff that you know that you would say as a clinician would maybe help our riders and our listeners to uh if they are going to do a clinic how to approach it well i think that's always it's always a good thing to know a little bit about the clinician as you go in or before you go in a little bit about maybe their philosophy or a little bit about the horses they've ridden. Uh, I always try to do that for myself. Uh, you know, I do a little research if maybe I don't know about the person, you know, it's easy, you know, now it's a, it's a quick internet search. Um, so I think that that's really important to do that is to go and look and say, okay. And then I think you need some realistic expectations on what you're going to get out of that clinic or, or even some things that you want the clinician to focus on. I like to go into the ring at a clinic and have someone say, I am really having trouble, you know, with my half halt, for example, or, or, or give me something to work on. That is always helpful for me because as a clinician, you're coming in, you probably have 45 minutes to work with someone and you need to, and you want to give that person something to go home with, but also something that they can reproduce. We talked about that earlier is, you know, I don't think I do any service to a rider um, and a student if they cannot reproduce it or they can't at least say, okay, that's the feeling that I got and here's an exercise I used to get it. So I really try to go in and, and think, okay, if if this were my student and I'm going to see her next week, what are the next steps? And then I try to ask them, okay, you know, this is what I expect you to be in a week and I'd like to see you progress from there. So that's a little bit of the, the way that I do it as I'm teaching is I want to give that person something to repeat. Um, but when I'm going myself to a clinic with a new person, a new clinician or somebody I don't see very regularly, I want to have a, a relatively narrow topic. Like I'm having trouble with, with her on the left rein or moving off my right leg. That's what I do. Olivia, how, how do you sort of approach it? Um, yeah, I'd say when I've got someone specific who I'm working with, um, I definitely like to, you know, come in and say kind of like, uh, you know, this is what I'm feeling. This is kind of where uh, maybe I'd like to go or, you know, where I feel like I'm stuck. Um, I would say, too, I wanted to add in that when you're looking for someone to clinic or um, with, uh, one of the things that I look for in terms of auditing or that, you know, I've noticed when, you know, say there's a clinician that comes in and you have the chance to watch the same lessons over, you know, several months, is that, you know, does that clinician have something different to say to everybody? Or is that clinician kind of saying the same thing to everybody, maybe in a slightly different way? Like, is is that clinic, is that listen really tailor-made, like tailor-fit to what, like the next piece that you most need to get with your horses. Um, sometimes you can see, um, if someone gives a lot of clinics, 
they can kind of get into like, you know, this time at the clinic, we're working on X, Y, and Z, and kind of everyone works on X, Y, and Z, whether or not X, Y, and Z is really relevant. Um, and then the other thing that I I look for, because I, I value this in instruction as a professional, is a clinician who will actually comment on the, like, how to get it done, as opposed to the, like, your horse needs to have his knees up higher or he needs to go more sideways. It's like, okay, like, am I doing anything like in my position that's impeding the horse's performance or can I sit better like this or that? Because once you get kind of to the top level, finding someone, you know, once you're the trainer, it's sometimes hard to find someone who will honestly say, Hey, you need to sit up and shorten your reins and like, you know, put your outside seat bone down or, you know, something like that. And, and make it very customized to you and actually also address like rider issues as opposed to just horse issues, if that makes sense. No, I think that that's, that's exactly where, where you need to hear sometimes. And that's, to me, that's fine. That's, I don't get that all the time. So I appreciate when, when somebody does that. I mean, I was yeah. just going to say that, you know, when, when I go and, and teach a clinic, I, right back to Reese's point, I want to have some, uh, a concrete conversation with somebody about what they're having problems with or what they don't understand so that we can actually work on something. And, and what I have some people come and do is bring me a test, a recent test or a test from last year, or that gives a, a, a good starting point, you know, to say like, this is an honest evaluation of my riding from a judge at a show. Then again, that gives you a little bit like if it's hard for you to articulate what's your issue, um, you know, a dressage test can kind of do that for you. And then, um, you know, you have an idea, then you have an idea of where to go from. I mean, it's, you know, you only get kind of into that, that, um, you know, cookie cutter type of lesson teaching if, if you don't know where you're starting from. Right. And, and so you have to go through half an hour of a ride before you can evaluate your rider instead of, you know, somebody coming with a good idea about, yes, I'm taking this clinic or yes, I'm taking this lesson, um, with you because I would like help with X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, not just like, oh, well, I saw your name on the internet and, you know, one time you rode Grand Prix and now I want to ride Grand Prix. That doesn't, that doesn't help, you know, it doesn't help your clinician. So I think it's responsibility of the person taking the clinic to honestly evaluate your riding and say, you know, and don't say, teach me how to do a second level test. Teach me how to do my shoulder in a little bit better because I got a four on it in my last show or, or I'm not understanding that. And, and then what I like to do in the lesson is continue the conversation to say, does that help you and, and make a plan? Like this is your plan leaving here today you know, after one day or two days, this is your plan. You're going to continue at home. Do you understand it? And and can you follow it? Because if you just ride that day and you're like, oh, we did this and it was kind of fun and now I go home and I go back to doing my old thing and, and I don't really have a plan, then then you don't you didn't gain anything from it, did you? So I think, you know, it's half the, you know, a lot of responsibility is on the coach for sure to do a good job with each rider. But the other half is to come in you know, with some articulation, with some conversation about that can continue, you know, and, and, uh, and, and get a plan, you know, how do you move forward? What would be the next step? I like to have that like, okay, after you leave here and you perfect this, what's the next step? So, um, yeah, I think there is some responsibility to the rider to, to help them have a good lesson also. Right. Because if you're not getting any feedback, it doesn't go anywhere. So I think that was a great, yeah, a great wanna... talk. Yeah. If you want to add to yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to piggyback one thing, which is that 
um, you know, uh, the same thing is as the student, whenever you're teaching or when I'm teaching, the best lessons are when the student is willing to dialogue and say, like, this is what I'm feeling. And the trainer's got to remember to say, what are you feeling? But, you know, the trainers, the clinicians can only help as much as you can articulate kind of what's going on. Like, oh, I feel like he's running at the shoulder. I feel like I'm falling over backwards. Then that gives the clinician, the trainer, something specific to help you address. You know, like you were saying, that, that you know, the, the hardest people to teach are the ones that won't talk to you. You know, that won't say like, yeah, like don't oh, be so yeah, intimidated, yeah, that's like, yeah. actually he's a hundred pounds in my left rein and their arm yeah. is falling off yeah. and you're like, yeah. well, it looks good from the ground. And then they're right. struggling and struggling and Absolutely. struggling. And maybe finally you get on the horse and you're like, oh my God, oh. like, why didn't you say something? <laughs> and they're like, well, I'm a little shy. And, you know, so if you can dialogue with your trainer, like, you know, you don't have to sit there and just like take the lesson and like just be quiet. It, yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it can be intimidating riding with a big If you can say, like, I am feeling, like, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I feel like the horse does. And maybe the rider's playing into that, and the trainer can then, you know, address it. But if the rider doesn't speak up, you know, it's it's so much more Or say, do you mind riding my horse for five minutes here? I mean, I think, you know, most good, I don't want to get myself in trouble, but most good teachers and good clinicians will uh, we'll also ride your horse. I remember Stephen Peters. I mean, I saw a clinic with him and he said, I like to ride. You know, if it's a three-day clinic, I like to have an opportunity to ride the horse because the feel can be totally different than what you're looking at from the ground. And uh, I don't think there's anybody that can, can perfectly see how the horse is going. From There's lots of great people that can really do that, but you know, there's nothing like feeling it. So I, I don't think it's a problem if somebody says to me, hey, do you mind riding you know, for, for two seconds for me? Or I'm feeling like this. Could, could you maybe see if you're feeling the same thing? Because a lot of times I've felt really dumb telling the, telling the rider to do this, and then I get on the horse and I'm like, oh my God, like this, I was not seeing this yeah. at all. So yeah, yeah. Uh, That's I'm, I'm really cool with that. Yeah, yeah. it's happened so Absolutely. many times. We've, all, know, we've so. all had that happen. And it's hard. Yeah. I mean, I think as a professional coming in and doing a clinic, it is a skill. You know, when you have someone on a, on a weekly or, or you see them every day even, it's, it's a totally different perspective than if you're teaching a clinic. Because a clinic is, yeah. it, it's hard. It, it's hard and, and it's demanding on the instructor. And, and the instructor wants to come in and, and do the right thing. And you want to give 100% uh, to everybody. But it's challenging. I mean, when you have 10 riders uh, and you have 45 minutes each, it is not a lot of time to kind of collect your thoughts and, and do it. So to have somebody say, okay, this is what I need help with, or this isn't feeling good, this isn't working, you know, they need to take time and say, okay, no worries, you know, let's, let's, let's rework, or maybe we learned that this isn't the way to do it, and we'll do it differently tomorrow. So I think that, also remember that the clinicians are, are human, and, you know, not everybody is perfect, and things happen, and we're dealing with a lot of different things from horses and people and that type of thing, so... Okay, well, actually, Olivia, I've got one more comment to tag yeah, on there. Sorry, sure, you guys can. Sure. Um, it's a big discussion. And that it's is actually, topic, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, and that actually has more to do with, I remember when I was growing up because I so wanted to like do it all myself, you know, like I wanted to be the one that fixed it and everything, which is a great thing. But, you know, I've always had this thing about letting other people, trainers, whatever, get on my horses. And it wasn't until I started training that I started to realize 
how helpful, it, you know, how it can like expedite the process if the trainer just gets on and has a feel or, you know, can say like X, Y, and Z. And also if you're a highly visual learner, if your trainer gets on the horse and puts the horse in the right shape or, you know, is able to work through something, seeing that has a huge benefit. And I know I always, unfortunately, I carried a lot of like, oh, I want to do it myself. Like, you know, like, oh, you know, if the trainer's getting on, it means I'm doing it badly. And it's like, well, no, not necessarily. But, you know, that's why they're your trainer, like, because they want to help you do it better. And if they need to sit on the horse, like, you know, I would say don't don't have an ego or don't have pride about it because it's definitely one of those things where you don't want to rely on the person to get on and tune the horse for you and then you ride it. But, you know, allowing your trainer to have an insight into what's going on can can benefit you hugely. Well, it's so true. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for coming on and we'd love to continue the discussions at another time for sure. How do our listeners find you online? Oh, um, you can go to uh, livedressage.com, L-I-V, dressage.com, or you can just Google my name. There is surprisingly only one Olivia Lagoy-Waltz in the world, so I will come (laughs) up if you look for me. You could probably even just put in Olivia Dressage, so uh, I will come up. I'm in Middleburg, so... Perfect. You're in Middleburg. Yeah, that's your new home. So we miss you in Kentucky, but uh, I know Virginia just gained a fabulous trainer. So we wish you all the best luck and thanks for your time and and, in the discussion. That was great. Thanks so much for having me. It was a blast. And uh, anytime you guys need, love to be back. Well, Philip, that was an interesting conversation we had with Olivia. We always enjoy when she comes on, and I hope that gives some people some ideas for sure. A little bit of insight. You know, I I think it's I think it's cool because, you know, as trainers, we like to get together and we're always talking about stuff like that. And, uh, you know, hopefully our listeners, enjoy, you know, enjoyed, you know, kind of how we kind of work things out. And, and you know, mm-hmm. we, we're, you know, we're all kind of on a journey with our horses and, and with our learning and, you know, how to pick a trainer or what to do with clinics or, you know, like that's, it's, uh, yeah. it's an ongoing Questions thing. It's ongoing yeah. discussion, you know, so that's kind yeah. of cool. And I think when you, when you stop learning, that's when you get into trouble for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, after this commercial break, we're going to speak with blogger Kelly Wood to hear all about her journey and how she uh, puts that in uh, onto the computer. So looking forward to that. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Electrolytes. Who needs them? Your horse, that's who. Electrolytes perform critical functions within your horse's body. They help regulate nerve and muscle functions by carrying electrical impulses between cells. In addition, electrolytes assist the body in maintaining a healthy fluid balance by controlling your horse's desire to drink. When your horse loses significant amounts of electrolytes and fluids, problems such as dehydration, muscle cramping, fatigue, tying up, and colic may occur. Even in mild forms, these conditions can have a negative impact on your horse's ability to perform and recover after exercise. Top riders and veterinarians turn to Summer Games Electrolyte to keep their horse healthy in hot weather, and you can too. Summer Games replenishes the electrolytes and trace minerals lost when your horse sweats. 
and it stimulates the thirst response so your horse continues to drink and stay properly hydrated. So when the going gets hot, trust Summer Games Electrolyte from Kentucky Performance Products to protect your horse. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, it it is our pleasure this evening to have Kelly Wood, the author of Princess Diva Diaries at blogspot.com on. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Kelly, start us off. How did you start this blog? What is it about? And how often do you blog? Okay. Uh, It all started when I purchased my mayor as a yearling, and I was doing a lot of the training myself, groundwork and things, and had a lot of questions. So, of course, I'd get on, online every night and Google my dream questions, and that led me to the blog world. Um, I actually came across a blog written by somebody out of the U.K., and I started reading hers, and that led to reading more. So, about a year after that, I thought, why not start my own, where I could just, I basically started it to keep a journal um, of my training progress and problems and along the way, and it's just kind of snowballed from there. Now, I have a question just to break it down really simple for some uh, non-techie people or, or okay. you know, what what is a blog? What are, you know, when you're looking for a blog, what are people, you know, what should you expect to, to see there? Okay. Um, I know a lot of my uh, people come from when they just Google something to do with horses. So a lot of times if, if they... Google a particular question, a medical question or something, different people's blogs will pop up because of that being in the in the context of their blog. Great. So, Kelly, tell us, as, as a rider, as we all are that, or, or interested in horses, how, does, how has blog, blogging helped you sort of over the years and with training questions? Okay. Um, I would say a lot of times if, if I'm having trouble with a particular issue, when I first started working with Reva, my horse, um, I did some long lining and I didn't know much about it. So um, I would turn to asking questions on my blog. Um, I have quite a few followers and a lot of people will make comments. So I, um, I would look for people for uh, who had experience in, in that particular thing, you know, of training and to help me along the way by making comments. Now, how do you sort out maybe some of the good and qualified comments from some that maybe are not? <laughs> well, that you kind of have to take with a grain of salt because you will get people <laughs> who uh, don't know what they're doing or uh, people that uh, have a lot of uh, things to offer. So you kind of have to, to sort through it. The way I run my blog is, Um, When people make comments, it's not automatically posted. I have it set up, so I have to um, approve them before they go on my blog. Oh, that's a really good idea. So, Kelly, how often (laughs) – yeah, I mean, it is. It's a good good thing to sort of, you know, have a little bit of control over the blog. So now can you – so could you do this every day, sort of every ride, every lesson, or how often do you post? post? I – when I first started it, I probably started out twice a week, and, and now I'm, I've backed off quite a bit, um, and I do about two to three posts a month. Now, some people that I read their blogs post every day. 
I could see that it could be a legit, you know, kind of a legitimate training tool for that. You could, you could, you know, see your progress that way. But now, uh, do you have any advice for somebody who is um, thinking of starting their blog and, and using it as a learning tool like you do? Sure. Um, I know people really, as I do, I really like when people put pictures and, and videos on their blogs. So I think incorporating some, some pictures of when you're out riding or you're having a lesson or video is great, not only for yourself, because then you can look back in a year and say, wow, I have really improved on that. Or, or you can um, post something like a, a test that you just wrote at a show, and then you can look back at it later and, and see what you need to work on. So I would... My advice to people is post a lot of pictures, post a lot of videos. That that just helps you um, along the way, especially when you look back at your progress. Now, do you do you ever feel like you know, like your life is out there, kind of in the internet? Like, I mean, I think you know, privacy can be a little bit of, a, of an issue. Yes. Is this something that you're not really worried about? You're just out there, you know, for everyone I'm- to see. I'm not too worried about it. I try not to name a lot of names. Um, I don't name my trainer. I don't name, you know, very many people in my blog. Um, Now, I've met some fellow bloggers along the way, six or seven people um, when we were in Indiana and here in Kentucky, that you just kind of figure out sometimes from reading people's blogs and, and the pictures, you'll think, oh, I've been there, and I bet this person lives, you know, such and such place. So along the way, you, you meet people and, and you connect. Um, but a lot of people keep their blogs really um, um, personal, so they don't share at all a lot of things about that would lead somebody to know where they are. But I'm not too worried about it, and it's been fun to meet other bloggers along the way. Yeah, it sounds like that would be a really fun community to sort of become part of. So, Kelly, because yeah. we all know I am not technical at all, um, <laughs> how do you? How is? How would one start a blog? How did? How did you do that? Oh my gosh, I should ask uh, Paul to step in on this. He actually <laughs> set up my set up my blog for me. Um, I know it's on blogger.com. And um, I know if you go to blogger.com, it tells you a lot of things about how to set up your own blog. And I've learned over the years how to, to change my format around, change my pictures around, like a header picture or a, a footer picture. So there's a lot of things that, that I've learned along the way. And it, it's not that difficult. Blogger's pretty, um, pretty user-friendly. And what, ty- what, what kind of time commitment is involved if maybe you're blogging let's say three times a week, you know, how long does it take you sure. to do it? You know, what, what, how, how much time do you have to kind of set aside to, to look after your, your blog? Um, I would say no more than like 45 minutes to an hour. Will I, you know, sit and work on a blog post and put pictures in it, put video in it if I have it. So, um, like I said, some people post every day and, and that's a huge commitment. So, um, and to find things to talk about every day. But I just kind of store up things and, and two or three times a month, and I'll, I'll kind of wrap up what I've been doing during that time frame. Well, that sounds great. Well, Kelly, thank you so much for your time today. And everyone, Princess Diva Diaries at blogspot.com. I'm sure Kelly will post a little bit about her, her uh, you know, time on the show today and the link to the, uh, to the show when we're ready to rock and roll with it. But Kelly, thanks again for coming on. And Kelly Wood, Princess Diva, Diva Diaries at blogspot.com. 
Well, that was a really neat discussion from Kelly. Philip, I have to be honest. I don't think I can have the technical ability to blog, but I would like to. That's something I'd I like to get I think it's a better. really, like, I think it's one of those things, like, once you start, you got to keep it going, right? Yeah. I mean. It's commitment. Uh, it's commitment, yeah. Hard. It's commitment to sit down and, and do it whenever, you know, yeah. however often you decide that you're going to, that you're going to blog, then, you know, I have a hard time, like, I always have, you know, kind of getting things out and putting them on paper. I'm not, I'm not like mm-hmm. kind of person, like, I, I like the show. Because I, you get to just a little bit talk it out, right? And then, sure, you sure. know, have a discussion. Whereas, you know, writing something out, it's just, it takes that commitment Stop. to sit down and do it. And I don't, I don't, I don't think I have it. Maybe one day. I, I hope I do. I hope I do. I really do try, you know, every time I have a lesson or a clinic that I really stop for five or ten minutes and write that down. You know, write what I learned in that lesson. So uh, I think a blog could I've be a really... It, so yeah. Yeah. Really I, I really try to be disciplined to that because that, I feel like then I take, um, you know, what I learned at the lesson. Uh, so I hope that, you know, I try to encourage my students to do it. So that a blog is an interesting way to do it too. Like, it's like an open diary that everyone mm-hmm. can access. And, uh, yeah. I think that's good because the more, like, I think, you know, writing and dressage for sure is, is a community, right? Because we have our Absolutely. ups and downs and, uh, you know, it's nice to share all of our experiences. And, uh, I guess that's kind of what we're kind of, you know, we do a little bit with the show, right? I mean, we get Absolutely. to talk every week, and and we have guests on that that get to talk about their thing every week. So, you know, that's that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So we have a shout out. Is that right? Yeah. Well, it was a shout out. We're going to bring it on here because the pair the pair guys only get to come on every you know every three or four weeks. So um, there was a comment on our Facebook page about the Paris show from uh, Annie. She said that she loved the interview with Lennon Gray. Her commitment to helping average riders horses and ponies excel and develop a love of the sport is so admirable that's what dressage is all about i agree i wish there was more out there championing championing her philosophy and she says bring her back as much as possible so we can we can bring back london gray all the time she is amazing we've had her on and the pair show had her on and and that's a great show and and london is is amazing and absolutely she uh she helps everyone you know not just you yeah, know high does. high development sport or, or high, high high performance. It's you know dressage is for everyone and absolutely and, it um, is. You know, I was saying at this, I, I was just talking earlier on the show, like we had a show this this uh, last weekend, and uh, you know, you sit there and you you know you're watching, you're helping your riders, and you're riding, and you're and you're watching, and and you just you know, I, this sport is really hard. Like it really it is. is, you know. <laughs> so the more the more people you can get involved with your story or or getting involved with their story and just helping each other out, I think is really important because um, there can be a lot more downs than there are ups, and uh, you know I've certainly experienced it. So yeah, I think we all have. I think uh, you're not in, if you're going to be in this sport, there are going to be some downs. Uh, not that we want to bring down the show, but it's true. It is. It is, and, and <laughs> it just happens, and it really, it just really is a hard, a hard sport and a long, long journey, and that's where the, you know. I think it is for everyone. Nobody finds it easy, that's for sure. No, I'm but, for sure uh, not. Bringing it back on a lighter note, I was just having a discussion with Reese, uh, you know, kind of <laughs> off air, and um, I was talking about our one of our favorite listeners, Vera, who is I called her a whipper, and she does the job of whipping in at the show, and then and then Reese. Reese was I like, did not know what he was talking about. Like, whipper what, in. What's I a whipper said, in? What's a whipper in? I didn't know what he was saying. I think so. It's a regional we do want difference, maybe. I don't know. I think 
yeah, we've got some country difference here, some cultural differences. <laughs> I We call that person, Philip, the ring steward in the U.S. So yeah. I've never heard of a whipper in. Yeah, so and for, I'm us, just wondering. Uh, yeah for us, the, the steward is the steward, the official, you know, who, who looks after a lot of jobs, right? The official steward. So a, a ring steward, I, I thought, was also an official, but... I guess it's the same thing, a whipper in and a ring steward. So I was just wondering yeah. if that's just a me thing or, I mean, I've certainly <laughs> I had other people thing. say it. So I I've heard it. It's, it's not just me, but I guess <laughs> maybe. I have never heard it. Maybe that's before. just a Canada-America difference. It must be. I don't know. So if anybody can if anybody answer knows, this question. If anybody knows where that comes know, from or how I got Let us know because I, I got a good laugh this afternoon <laughs> on a whipper in. I did not know what he was talking about. But um, for sure, uh, please feel free to give us some emails and shout outs. We love them. Uh, it keeps, keeps us rolling. And any ideas for the show, we always love to hear that and want to hear listener feedback. So um, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests at our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. You can find me at philipparksequestrian.com and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week that allow us to put on a great show for everyone. And don't forget to check out all the other great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back. And if you can answer the whipper-in question, (laughs) Philip and I, that would really help. So have a great week, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.